Hello. On today's bonus episode, we are going to be reaching into the mailbag and answering some of your questions and comments. And we will also be talking about how to find a therapist. And if you want to go deeper, we started a Facebook group so we can talk about everything covered in this podcast in greater depth. It's a place for community and weekly guided discussions about mental health. I'll be doing a weekly live deep dive to connect with you guys directly. So stick around. And we left a link in the show notes so you can go there to join the group. You can also find it by searching for Your Mental Breakdown in Facebook. And make sure you join the group, not just liking our page, but you can do that too. Stick around. I am Doug Friedman. And I am Meredith Levy. And this is Your Mental Breakdown. Inside Inside Out. Out, The bonus. (laughs) Episode. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get tighter with how we do that someday. (laughs) One day. Speaking of one day... What are we doing this one day? This one day, we are going to be talking about how to find a therapist because it's important. And also a lot of the mail and comments and emails that we've gotten are asking us about that. So we thought we would um, talk about it. Yeah. And there's, there's a few different tips that we have, but bear in mind that whatever we say isn't gospel. It's not like this is the way to find a therapist. I actually, I tell people that finding a therapist is a lot like buying a car, you know, like you want to read some reviews, do some research, then shop around, go to a lot, test drive, leave, come back. You rarely just go, I want to buy a car. Where do I get a car? I'll go to this dealer and walk away with a car. It doesn't happen that way. Usually. Interesting. I'm more of a word of mouth person for the most part. Sure. But even people telling you like word of mouth, like, hey, you should check out this hybrid car. It's really great for the environment. Like, oh, oh, oh for sure. Yeah. I think just mostly a lot of things about I there don't seem to be a lot of reviews online for therapists and medical doctors and psychiatrists like there are for products or restaurants or things like that. Totally. So I think a lot of times it's hard to find anything and people will say like, well, I went to this one person, no matter what kind of doctor, and they had four stars and I'm like, yeah, but by three people, you know? So that for me is a little hit or miss. I'm a big person of uh, referrals and word of mouth for anything I can find. Well, and you got to think about who you're asking too, because if if you ask like somebody who's really rugged, like what kind of car they they drive, they're going to go, yeah, I got this four by four. Like, well, I'd rather have a sports car. Like, you exactly. Know, read a Yelp review on a great Thai restaurant, but if you don't like Thai, then what good does that do you? Such a good analogy as usual, Dougie. <laughs> Always got to do that. So I I think the word of mouth helps too, and it's it's really. Something that, as Meredith, you're saying, there aren't a lot of reviews because it's about confidentiality and people want to maintain theirs. Not a lot of people talk about being in therapy or having a therapist. And I hope that starts to change. I hope people recognize it's about mental health, not mental illness. Like we're trying to help you stay well and we'll do that however best we can. But we're also limited by our approach to it, right? I also think a lot of times people are very um, sort of protective of their therapist. So they don't want to, they're like, this is my person. And I don't want anyone I know to 
to see them also. Or a lot of times, I mean, a lot of my clients are like, I like to pretend you don't have any other clients. I'm like, pretend away. <laughs> well, certainly don't listen to the podcast then because we're, we are not your therapists, but we are therapists talking to all of you. Yes. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's also important to recognize that for therapists, there are an abundance of people that need and want help. So the, the therapists that recognize that, you know, there isn't a scarcity mentality of trying to just get clients and get more money, that there's a lot out there and we all have different styles and we can build our own network of referrals and know that people have specialties or are better at certain things than others, that, that strengthens us as a whole and as a profession. When we kind of water down what we do by trying to take on everybody with everything just to get the clients, that's wrong. I mean, you wouldn't go see a podiatrist for a problem with your throat. Exactly. Yeah, and we touched uh, we we touched on that in um, our roundtable that we we talked about that sort of our specialties and or what we really do best and how we all refer to other people for other things. There are certain things I have not, you know, I don't know anything about, so I'm always going to refer out when I can't do the best possible job. And that's not a comment on your therapist doesn't know enough. It's, they know specifically about something, you know, if you want a lawyer, like, great, get a lawyer, but do you need a lawyer for, you know, landlord tenant law or immigration law? Cause they're very, very different things. You know, you wouldn't just go to an immigration lawyer and go, yeah, I've been having this problem with my landlord. Can you take a look at this? Like, that's not what they do. Right. Another great analogy, Doug. So good. <laughs> I'll keep going on them. But I think one thing I, I like to separate for people looking for a, a, a new therapist is separate the fit from the logistics and make sure you talk about both with whoever it is you're talking to. And the, the fit, something we'll get into a little more. And that's, I think, personal to you as you look. It's, it's again, with the car analogy, it's what kind of car do you want? What feels good? What do you like driving? How do you look in it? Right. What color is it? All those types of things for a car. But the logistics are with therapy, what are your finances like? What can you afford? That's a big question that came up for people. And, you know, what kind of schedule do you need? Right. And the geography, where, where are they located? Some people don't mind driving pretty far for a therapist, but others like want them, you know, in their own neighborhood, which is totally fine. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And one of the things I do think that's really important is looking at the cost of therapy and, yeah. you know, neither Doug nor I take insurance. And the reason is it's just so difficult. And I know everyone knows how difficult the healthcare system <laughs> is now. Sure. And so, you know, I always provide a super bill. Someone can submit and hopefully get something reimbursed, but there is a reality to it. So, and also just jumping in for a second, people might not know what a super bill is. So a super bill is sort of a, a type of receipt that a therapist can get. Any therapist can give any client to submit to their insurance. And it has the codes on it that, you know, the insurance needs to see and you may or may not get reimbursed. It's about knowing your own insurance coverage, right? So if you know your coverage and you find out, it's a great thing to call your insurance company first and ask them what the mental health benefits are and ask them, there's a difference between somebody in their network and somebody out of their network. And when Meredith said, we don't take insurance, 
we don't, not just because it's difficult, but because an insurance company will cap the rate at which uh, a therapist gets paid and it's very, very low. So a lot of therapists will not be on networks, but out of network, your company, your insurance company might reimburse you a portion. And it would be great to know that ahead of time because that would apply to any therapist that you see. Another thing you can do is call your insurance company directly and find out what therapists on the network are available in your neighborhood and they'll give you a list and you can just take that list and do what we're talking about, which is have this conversation about fit with them because you know where that financial piece will be because they're on network, right? Yeah. And sometimes if I have a client who, for whatever reason, needs to go to a therapist that is in their network, if they need to switch or they are asking for somebody else, I have them go online and print out a list of therapists in their network that are, you know, in their neighborhood or whatever the criteria are. And I'll look through them and see if I recognize anybody for them. Sure. So always willing to do that. There's a lot of different ways. And there are therapists who do slide, do a sliding scale. So. And what, what, what does that sliding scale mean? If their rate is $200 and they work on a sliding scale, then sometimes they're willing to go down to 150 or 125, whatever it is, depending on someone's financial situation. And when people do that, though, they really do depend on people to be honest, right? Because it's kind of like what comes around goes around. So I think that's that's the heart of it right there is being honest, because these are conversations that for a lot of people, clients and sometimes some therapists are the hardest to have. Like, what is your price? And that's the worst experience about buying a car is figuring out how much something costs. And you go back and forth like crazy. And it's, it's, it is crazy making. And it's, it seems very dishonest. That's the knock on used car salesmen, right? They'll just sell you anything. And I, no offense to the used car salesmen out there, maybe things have changed these days, I don't know. But the idea, I think, in finding a therapist is to talk very openly and honestly about your finances, and they'll do the same. You know, if they do have a sliding scale and you say, I can only afford 75 bucks, and they might go, oh, well, um, I can't do that, but I know a couple of people who can. You know, and that way you're, you're having that honest communication with somebody, which is, I think, very empowering for both parties. And then there's also the issue of associates or interns. So that's somebody who hasn't taken their exams yet. They've graduated from grad school. They've graduated. They have their master's. They just haven't taken the licensing exams yet. And they're still finishing their hours. Sometimes those people are better than a 20-year veteran therapist. You never know until you try. You just, a lot of times people hear that and they're like, no, no, I don't want to go to an intern or an associate. And the truth is like, just go meet them and talk to them because sometimes they're just lagging on taking their exam for four years or sometimes, you know, you just never know. And they might have a lot more experience talking to people in the room, or they might have a lot of life experience that people bring. One of the things that's a wide, wide range is what has this person done in their own lives to, to strengthen their frames of reference. Right. And People incorrectly often think that a psychologist, that's a doctor somebody, has more experience than somebody else. Well, they have more academic experience, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they've done more work in a room. I've known some associates 
that are unlicensed that have much more experience in the room with people than some psychologists and doctors. And I think that taps into age, age of your therapist. And I think sometimes people who are older don't want a younger therapist or vice versa. And again, I would say, look, if you know for sure that you don't want your 60 and you don't want someone in your 30, their 30s, then you know that. And I would always encourage you to meet the person because you just never know. Right, right. Having that first conversation is super important and being able to talk to them upfront about the things that make you nervous. Like, yeah, talking about finances makes me nervous. Okay. And hopefully it's somebody that can put your mind at ease with that or talking to them about whether or not you've had therapy before and what's worked or what hasn't worked and see how they respond. You know, you might get a sense over the phone that this person seems very caring, compassionate, empathetic, sympathetic, and this is somebody I can talk to, or wow, this person seems really dry and just wanted me to come in and get in the door and pay them. And I I didn't like that either. Don't know, but having that first conversation and being really upfront and recognizing, yeah, you might not like it and you might not like them. That isn't necessarily you doing anything wrong or, or trying therapy wrong. It's every therapist is different and sounds different. And every therapist, for the most part, runs their own small business. So you're looking at how is this business? Is this a place I want to go talk to somebody about some of the most vulnerable things in my life? And I think a lot of people, well, for me, and we talked about this before also in the round table, I don't really, most of my I almost all of my referrals are word of mouth or a friend of a friend or someone who sees me already. And so when I get a call, sometimes I don't even talk to the person, you know, maybe we'll email and we'll just set up a date for them to come in. And if I have a call with someone to set it up, of course, like I'll chat with them for five minutes or so, but I really wait to meet them in person so that I can get the vibe in the office and instead of just on the phone. And there might not be a vibe. There might not be a vibe in the office and that's okay too. If you go in to meet with somebody, that does not mean you're stuck with them. Even even if you've seen somebody a couple of times and then go, I think this might not be working out. That's one of the strongest things and scariest things that you can do as a client is telling the person you're seeing for therapy that you don't think it's a great fit. If that therapist is confident and comfortable with themselves, they hopefully will hear that and go, oh, okay, well, what's coming up for you? And and let's see what we can do about it. If you get the sense that they're just trying to keep your business and retain you, and then, I mean, that's a clear sign to me that it's just not the right fit. Yeah. Peace the F out then. Just right. get out of there. Right. So, you know, again, this is I think at least for me, I'm thinking so much about LA and here and how to find therapists here. And, you know, you guys are all over the country and the world. And so I think, you know, one of the first steps I would suggest to find a therapist is ask people, you know, and you can ask, you know, your regular doctor. And a lot of times they will have referrals. And, you know, if you don't know people already in therapy, And the next thing after that, I would say, is to go online. And, you know, one of the things that I really love about having this conversation with you guys is that one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast in the beginning was to destigmatize and demystify what therapy is 
so that more people are talking about it and talking about it openly. I think some of the strongest people mentally that you'll meet are ones that have absolutely no problem saying, yeah, I go see a therapist. It's again, mental health, not mental illness. You know, you take your car, going back to that analogy, you take your car into the shop to get an oil change. You have to get the tires rotated. Like, of course you want a good mechanic and people love talking about their good mechanic, right? They might not love talking about their good therapist, but everybody needs a mechanic that has a car. I would say everybody with a, a brain and, you know, emotions would benefit from a therapist. Please ask around, talk to people. And if people go, therapist, what do you mean? What's the matter with you? Nothing. I'm just interested in my mental health and my personal growth. Why are you not? Oh, good one. Yeah. yeah say that you guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> you tell them. Speaking of what you guys have said, I think we can look at a couple of the questions specifically that we got. One that I, I liked that somebody shared with us, but was it's a tough one to, to hear. We got a letter, uh, an email from Fran who said, I went to therapy for the first time after breast cancer and this older therapist, the first visit, actually fell asleep while I was talking. This made me feel so bad. I think I'm actually scarred because I've wanted to go back, but I keep thinking what I have to say is so boring and not important. Having trouble getting over this. Any suggestions? Well, first of all, Fran, so sorry you had to go through that. And I would say, fuck that therapist. Although I would also then say, having compassion and being non-judgmental, maybe this therapist was going through something, maybe... They have narcolepsy. Maybe they were up all night with a sick kid, spouse, who knows? So again, that's not something that you should ever have to experience. I can say there are times where I am really tired and it is not a reflection of what the client in my office is talking about. Yeah. I think that's the number one. Like you even, I think shared Meredith that you went out and did jumping jacks or something. I did. Once. One time I was yeah. so tired and <laughs> one right, one time out of hundreds. Yes. Right? One time. And I think that idea that it's that is a reflection of the therapist, not of the client. You know, I, I think that what you have to say is not at all boring and is important. You know, you went through breast cancer. That's amazing. You know, and you're going into therapy to start talking about your story and, and telling what's going on with you and, and what came up for you. And now I think another therapist that you might find will have something to say about this because, you know, we all have strong feelings about it and, and thoughts and opinions about it. And Meredith's right. It might be that we have no idea what was going on for that therapist in that moment. It was, I think, not very attuned to the moment you were trying to share. And that sucks. And I'm sorry you went through that too. And I, I really do hope you give it another shot because I think it's, uh, you know, you, you probably do have a lot to say. And somebody that is a good fit is going to hear it and be all over it. In fact, that therapist, I don't know how you guys handled it, but you can go back to that therapist and just call and say, hey, you know, honestly, I really wanted help, but I, I feel kind of scarred that I came in and you fell asleep during a session. That therapist is human and maybe it's it's an opportunity for that person to own up to it and and give their side or or do that. But you certainly don't have to call that person back at all. I just hope you you find a way to get back in to somebody. Yeah, give it a shot. Right. I had another email, somebody named Krishna said, 
I have returned to therapy after a break of three or four months, but this time is different. I feel like no one talks about how finding the right therapist is beneficial as a client and how the effects are different. I would love for this to be a future topic. Also, I wanted to talk about not being able to afford therapy. A lot of people do not go because of that too. Yep. True. And I think we kind of hit on some of that earlier in what we were saying. And I would just say, being able to be upfront about what you can afford and and how you can do it, a therapist hopefully will try to find something that's going to help you for you know what those logistics are, for what you can afford, for where you are, for when you can go. Some therapists won't. Again, every therapist is running their own small business for the most part. And they might just say, nope, I don't have room or nope, this is my rate. Sorry. Okay. That, that's not somebody we're going to give our business to, but that's fine. There's also almost always wherever city, whatever city you're in, are community mental health places. So I don't know. I mean, here in LA, there are a bunch of different places like Edelman or Southern California Counseling or a bunch of different places that you can go into and they work on a sliding scale or they're free. There are also universities that have grad schools that have counseling centers. So Antioch has counseling center here in LA and the therapists are usually either graduates of the psychology program or they are currently in it or doing their hours and they all work on a very low rate or sliding scale. So finding, looking for a community mental health place, just like where Doug and I used to work. Yep. I was just going to say that. That's where we started. And look how amazing we are. So it's not like it's <laughs> shitty therapists right. there. Who right. knows? For me, again, my, my professional bias in this is that we are constantly growing as therapists. I'm constantly reevaluating myself and how I work. So I hope I'm constantly improving. And that's something, you know, that is about the relationship in the room with a client and a therapist that, you know, you're not just talking to somebody who has a finite amount of knowledge and they're just tapping into that, that they're going to be thinking about you, working, you know, with you and thinking about what they can pull from to help you however they can, right? So forming that relationship, I've known people that have gone to therapy with people that start in community mental health when they're fairly new therapists, and then the therapist leaves, gets licensed, starts their own practice, and the client has stayed with them the whole time, you know, and might go through a couple of rate increases, might not, but it's something that is about the relationship, right? Right. So Krishna, totally agree. It is so important about it's the, the connection with your therapist is the most important thing. And I think that it's about trying. And like Doug said, if you go and you don't feel like it's a fit, take care of yourself first. Don't worry about quote unquote offending them. Just make sure that you walk out of that room. And sometimes you have to go a couple of times to like get the feel. But definitely if right away you're like, no, not for me, then don't do it. It's interesting too. We we had a another email from somebody named Brittany saying part of my anxiety in going to see a therapist is I don't like when people can read me. I've always been told I'm hard to read. Not sure if this is a common feeling for going to a therapist or not. And I think that's that's super important because how you come off in a first session or or how the therapist comes off in a first session isn't necessarily how it's going to go. So if part of the anxiety is I don't want people to read me, so I'm going to withhold. 
then it's going to be really hard to get a sense of how that therapist is going to be with you, with what you're bringing to them. Right. Right. And I understand that though. I'm similar. So I think the idea is, yes, the point of going to therapy is to be very open and honest. And also sometimes it takes a little bit to trust them. So it's okay to be a little bit withheld for a little while and they will more than likely read that that is what's happening. And over time you can earn trust and they can earn your trust and hopefully you can open more and more. Yeah. And that's <laughs> makes me think of another email that I'm looking at right now from a, a listener named Karis or Karis. Sorry. I've been in therapy for three years and have thought a lot that I'm not good at it. And hearing y'all talk about Andrew and hearing his sessions really helps me see that I'm doing just fine. And it isn't about achieving anything, but being where I am. Question, what advice do you have for people who have a hard time emoting in a session? It took me three years to cry with my therapist and it's only happened a couple of times. And what is it like for therapists when a client cries a lot over the story they're telling? I mean, the fact that you finally cried a couple of times in three years is just where you are. It's amazing. It's perfect. It's how it's supposed to be. And, you know, there's no right or wrong in therapy. Like you said, there is no good at it or not. It's a matter of what's working for you. And if you're not crying in every session, that's okay. In terms of what it is like when clients are crying, you, you asked about if the client cries a lot over the story they're telling, that's okay. We're okay with that. If you need to cry, cry. We're human. We have emotions too. Sometimes some of the things my clients are saying, you know, I tear up sometimes and that's okay. And there's, there's a line between sympathy and empathy and, you know, sympathy being when you just have compassion for what someone is going through and that's fine. Empathy is actually putting yourself in their shoes and identifying with that feeling itself. And I think of a lot of therapists as being empathic. So we have the ability to do that. So if you start crying while you're telling part of your story and the therapist is affected by it, that's hopefully because they're identifying with that feeling that you're having, you know, and therapists are trained in how to compartmentalize their own feelings and really just be there for the client and what they're going through. So you want to make sure you're not taking care of your therapist, that your therapist is really attuned to what you're feeling and what you're expressing and there for you and whether or not it, it feels healing. Even if it doesn't, I mean, I've had some sessions, I think we might've talked about this a week or two ago, where we do something with a client and the client gets mad. And I, I love moments like that when the client can come back from that and go, hey, I got kind of pissed last week. Like, oh, okay, well, what was up? Because that's a healthy way to talk about when these feelings are coming up. It's when you don't talk about those feelings and you hold them in, there's nothing we can do about that, right? Yep. Reparative experiences in therapy are some of the most powerful things. The point is to know that you have a relationship with this person that will heal no matter what, almost no matter what, but for the most part, you know, right? that like you, I mean, I think I've said people have thrown shit at me before and <laughs> I'm not a fan of it, but at the end of the day, like we can make a repair and knowing that that's okay, that a lot of times people think, well, that's it. I fucked it up and it's over. And no, we're still there and the relationship can continue and it can mend. And that's to show that that is possible. Yeah. And it really is about the relationship. So, 
you know, recognize that the whole story is not going to come out at once. It doesn't have to come out the very first time. You're not going to cry right off the bat. You might. It's, is this a relationship that's going to be helpful and healing for me to process what I'm going through and what I will be going through? And you do that and you kind of look at that as you go along. And the more honest and open and vulnerable you can be with your therapist, the better it's going to be for you. And if it doesn't go well, that's a clear sign that it might not be a good fit for one reason or another. So love talking to you guys about this because I, I love bringing mental health out into the light and talking about it more. So please keep this stuff coming. We love hearing from you guys. Absolutely. We have a lot more of your emails and things that we shall get to in our next Inside Out. Indeed. And in the meantime, you can find us on Instagram at your.mental.breakdown, on Twitter at yourmentalpod, and the Facebook group that we started that we talked about. I don't know how to find it, but you can find Facebook and search for Your Mental Breakdown and go to the group. Make sure you join it. And if you get a chance, if you're liking this, or even if you're not, uh, please rate us, review us, subscribe to us. All those fun things. <laughs> That's right. We will talk to you guys in a couple of days. We'll talk at you. And sort of with you. Bye. Bye.